asking my wife had stage three cancer, uh, deciding to leave Thailand and returning to the United States to treat her at the Carmanos Cancer Institute, part of the Wayne State University. It's a research hospital. Uh, just uh, two and a half months ago, my wife's head looked like Brother Todd over here. <laughs> she didn't have anything. She didn't have eyebrows, eyelashes, or even a cookie duster. <laughs> you know, it was all gone because of the chemotherapy. So April 1st, Gail did her last radiation treatment, and uh, she's growing hair again. She's got this fuzz ball going. <laughs> it's, it actually is kind of attractive, although I don't like short hair on, on women that, that much. <laughs> I like Gail when she has a little longer hair. But it's kind of interesting <laughs> losing your hair and growing it back because Gail would be walking around malls and different places. People run up to her and say, where did you get your hair cut? <laughs> Old ladies, grannies, they like to keep their hair short. That's a new thing. <laughs> Anyhow, checking to see if there's anything up on the, on the board there. We're going to open our Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. And while you're looking that up, uh, I'll give you a little more introduction about Thailand. Gail and I went to Thailand in 1980 with three little children, three years old, two years old, and two months old. We waited until Hannah, our youngest, was old enough to be transported on an airplane, really. That was the only reason we waited. We knew that you know, it would be harder earlier than that. We arrived in Bangkok. When Bangkok's population was a lot smaller, Bangkok was about four million people in those days. Believe it or not, in the 38 years we've lived in Thailand, it has grown to be, the Bangkok metropolis is now 16 million people, one of the great cities of the world. It's not as big as, like, uh, Tokyo, which is, what is it, 30-some million people living right around Tokyo and Singapore, and uh, there's a lot of big cities like that, which Hong Kong and all these, they're just an amazing mission field all, them, all by themselves. We ought to consider countries and major cities almost like another mission field. And people are living packed in, in apartment buildings, packed in slums across the world. We lived in Bangkok. We learned the language while living in Bangkok. Basically, <laughs> I don't know if I learned it that well at first. You know, you could catch a taxi or bargain in the market and stuff like that, but uh, we had to master it well enough to share the gospel. You cannot share the gospel talking like a baby. You have to understand what uh, they're thinking, you know, and you have to learn it. We finished Thai language study in Bangkok. It took us about a year and a half. Even though we studied in the States, we went to Thailand and studied again. And then we moved from Bangkok, straight northeast. You could draw a line, 45-degree angle across. Uh, if that line passed over the Mekong River, it would go right to Hanoi. You remember Hanoi from the Vietnam War? Those that are old enough to remember that? Many of you kids don't remember the Vietnam War. But where it crossed over there, that's where we worked, in the Kampanom, in a tribal village that was so primitive that, you know, they didn't have electricity. Uh, the roads washed out in the monsoons. Uh, the schools, the Thai schools, even though 
you know, they were based on the American school system, had four grades. That's all. And uh, many of the people in the village never had more than four grades. But they taught them how to read, write, and the uh, read, write, and arithmetic in those four years uh, as much as they could. It was primitive enough that it was difficult. We had no electricity for eight years in our ministry in the tribal village of Yaw language. Yaw is one of the Laotian-related languages. And uh, it's a large people group. It actually extends into Laos across the river, into Thailand, of course, and down into, uh, as we found out later, Cambodia, which was, uh, uh, went through this terrible uh, communist revolution uh, pushed by the Red Chinese in uh, communist China. Uh, and it was just so fanatical. They actually uh, almost killed everybody older than 30 years old or expelled them from the country. If you're a part of the army or anything like that, they killed you immediately. There was a movie put together, I don't know if any of you have seen it on Netflix, but it's, it's well worth a look at it for an eye-opener about what happened in Cambodia. When I was in uh, missionary training, I picked up the Reader's Digest and there's an article said the murder of a gentle land. It was a genocide, basically, of anybody who would not convert to be a communist, this fanatical communism. Two million Cambodians were killed. And that's why Gail and I felt we needed to go to Asia. Actually, in uh, 1975, 74, United States pulled out of Asia. And uh, the Red Communists in Cambodia told the Red Co the Communists, or the, the general Cambodian people that the Americans are gonna bomb Phnom Penh, the capital city. Emptied them out, killed half of them, uh, and uh, it was just a terrible uh, refugee crisis. I remember seeing the tents and the things even in Thailand when I arrived in 1980, five years later. There was also people in Laos, another country that was sort of a free country. It was kind of uh, a kingdom, but uh, the, the, Cambo the uh, Laotians and the tribal peoples were pouring into Thailand when I was still there. I lived close to one of the biggest refugee camps in Northeast Thailand when I was studying the Yaw language. Want to hear some Yaw? Yaw. Actually, I was born in South Carolina, believe it or not. I grew up in Detroit, though. Who clapped there? I like you. <laughs> I was born in Greenville, South Carolina. Were you? Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, I can see you all just like the rest of them. But I grew up in Detroit. That's a great southern city, you know. It was peopled by the people from Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, New Philadelphia. <laughs> not really. <laughs> but uh, West Virginia. And, uh, you know, they built the tanks and everything for World War II. We built the, the, uh, the liberators and the airplanes that we used to uh, win World War II. That was yesteryear. Detroit has gone in tremendous decline. And when it was going to decline of people that look like most of the people in this auditorium, guess who bought Detroit? Islamics and Chaldeans, Middle Easterners. The whole city of Dearborn is almost peopled today by Islamic people. 
And there's also some born-again, lovely brothers in the Lord that fled some of those countries like Lebanon and, and uh, Iraq and uh, Egypt because of the, uh, the, the fanatical Islam. I mention that because I want to I just show you a short video about an Islamic nation that was in Burma, which is Buddhist. Uh, they were always a stateless tribe, you could say, of over a million people. And uh, just abused. They couldn't get education. They couldn't get help on anything. And uh, they organized kind of a protest, I guess, and uh, killed a few soldiers, some army police. And the response of the Buddhist Burmese government was just incredible, unbelievable. It's a textbook genocide going on right now today. Folks, if you, they don't publish it in our papers for some reason, I don't know why. But they are, they are they're expelling the entire population of over a million people. Now, my mission organization, ABWE, Baptist uh, organization, that first went to the Philippines and now they're throughout the world. One of their countries is Bangladesh, right across the, the, a, a river from where the Rohingyas this uh, Islamic uh, group, un unreached, unsaved, were living. And what the Burmese Buddhist nation army has done is they said, get out. And they went in and they burnt their cities. They burnt their houses. People who were in the houses couldn't get out. They burnt them. Oh, it's just a terrible thing. And they're shooting them as they flee the country right across this river in, uh, from Burma is Bangladesh. Bangladesh is one of the uh, Islamic countries as well. But ABW, my mission board, went to that country many years ago. Very difficult work, working among is Islamic people. They reject the gospel. And if they listen to their... their uh, Spiritual leaders, you know, they, they tell all kinds of lies about Christianity. But ABW said, we can do this to get there and stay there. You have to do something for the people. They started a hospital right across the, from the, the uh, Rohingyas. Uh, wasn't because of Rohingyas, but for those people in Chittagong. Bangladesh, by the way, is a very high populated world, uh, our people. And let me just say this about Asia. I think from the bad experience of the fighting in the Vietnam War, we pulled out, and people don't even look that way. You hardly hear anything about what's happened in Asia. Even though, if you were to start in Bangkok, where I live, which is a Buddhist country, and you go just as far as California from New Philadelphia, about 3,000 miles, roughly, and draw a circle around the circumference of that radius, you would have half of the population in the inside of that 3,000 miles circle as there is outside of it. That means you are outside the circle. There's a half of the population of the world, 7.6 billion people. Can you wrap your head around that statistic? Half of that 
7.6 billion people live within 3,000 or so miles from Bangkok. Not that Bangkok's the center of anything, it just happens to be the country where I work. Just an amazing statistic when you think about it. And that's where most of the lost people of the world live. China, the number one largest country in the world still, just for, for maybe another year. 1.38 billion people. The largest people group in China, the Han or Han people, depending on how you, who, you, who tells you, <laughs> are one of the largest unreached people group, groups in the world. How many pray for the Han? You know? Just west of the Han tribe is the Uyghurs. They're, they're also an Islamic people, the fourth largest minority of China. And they number in the millions. Going across from China, the second largest country in the world is India. And India is set to overtake the population of China within a few years. Unbelievable. They're growing. They don't uh, regulate childbirth like China does. They had the one-child policy. Do you remember that? They are now 1.34, just 400 million behind China. They'll overtake them in shortly. They'll be, India will be the largest population in the world, and most of them are Hindu. All around them, because of the years of Gandhi, they expelled or encouraged the Islam to go and start the, Bangla, uh, the Bangladesh state, the Pakistani state, and others. All around India is the Istans. You know, you got Pakistan, Uzbekistan, and you name it, Afghanistan. They're Islamic nations. Today, Islam is the largest, fastest growing religion in the world. You know what? Guess who's right behind them? The Baha'i. Why isn't Christians making a dent in the population of the world within this 3,000-mile circle? 6,000-mile uh, circle. I don't know. Folks, the Great, Com the Great Commission belongs to First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia, just as it does for anyone else in the world. It was given at the day of the Pentecost, and within those days, the Lord told us to preach the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. I often tell our kids in our ministry, hey kids, look at yourself. You're part of the uttermost parts of the world. <laughs> but they are. Well, there's lots of other most parts that haven't yet heard the gospel. They've never heard the name of Jesus. Amazing statistic, although statistics are statistics. Barna, one of the great uh, Christian pollsters, you could say, just came out with the statistics. Now, we are fundamentalists. We aren't just evangelicals. But we, we are included in evangelicals, you know, and that would include a lot of people, you know. Barna said, research said, half, more than half, 51% of evangelicals have never heard the word Great Commission. Well, of course, it's not in the Bible, but it's, it's in the Bible because the Lord said, uh, teaching them to observe, uh, going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the Great Commission. Folks, we got a job to do. 
hey, we can have fun. We can sing about it. I like singing. You guys are having a, hate, a good old time here. I, I know. I'm up there listening to you and wish I was more up on some of these newer songs. You got some good song leaders and stuff. But t- tell you what, there is a job for reaching the world with the gospel. Let's get out of this loop of just growing up, retiring, and living your life out. Let's do something with our lives. Let's reach the world with the gospel. I could continue to quote statistics until you'd be bored to death, so I'm going to start on my message, because I did come to preach too. So let's turn in our passage that we have here. In 2 Corinthians 10, 40, 10, 4, and 5. Right after a whole chapter, by the way, you pastors, on giving to faith promise missions. <laughs> the next chapter he's saying this. He says, for our weapons, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I like that phrase, about carnal. Let me just do a little exposition. Carnal there doesn't mean with degrees and training. and uh, We aren't going to win the world with our education, although I think you need to be educated. You know, you need to understand, you need to understand God's Word. You need to know the Old Testament. You do Old Testament, New Testament survey here? I think you do. You need, you need to understand what the Bible says, and I'm going to have to put my cane here somewhere so I don't lose it and take a gulp of water. Let me focus on another word in this verse. Our warfare, of course, is reaching people with the gospel, with the good news, telling them they're lost. We don't have, have ranks in our Christian world this after your last year. What do they call them? Uh, Salvation Army. <laughs> we do have pastors and t- elders and different people. But the weapons of our warf- warfare are not carnal. You know what that means to me? It means that the qualification for the Lord's work is spiritual. We need to be men and women that know the word of God, but not only know the word of God, that are motivated and led by the Holy Spirit, that have our nose in the book and we're sharing the gospel with people. Our weapons are mighty through God. You know, the gospel is the only thing that's there to change this world, to reach these people in, the, in, the, uh, in the, this 6,000-mile circle I mentioned. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's my, my key verse there. You know what we face when we see people that are Islam? A stronghold. You could talk to them and say, God loves you. What does that mean? Who's God? You know, they say, you say God, but I say Allah. Or you could say that to a Hindu or a Buddhist. Folks, those are the strongholds. They're blinding their eyes. They're keeping them from even understanding. You know, the radio preachers that we hear on the radio here, or the TV and all these people, you know, they're 
their signals are going right over the heads of all these countries. But not one person can understand those messages. The radio isn't the way to do it. You know what it takes? It takes boots on the ground going out there and, and learning their language and loving them and sharing the gospel with them. Can the sound booth put on this short video here? I, I actually didn't prepare it for the worship hour, but these guys in the sound booth are great. I love them. <laughs> uh, we had a great time in the adult study over here in the other building. But this is a picture of what's going on right now. I just mentioned about the Rohingya crisis. Bangladesh, Southeast Asia. See the tent city in the background of these pictures. ABWE, my mission.
Okay, I wasn't trying to do an ad for Samaritan first, but I just admire uh, Franklin Graham. He's an age mate for me, but uh, <laughs> he's doing something that's totally amazing. You might not know this, but the missionaries and the doctors that are there in that Memorial Christian Hospital, is my mission, of course, they uh, have just, in two weeks ago, they finished a translation of the Bible in the Rohingya language. It's a, it's a language of their own. And our missionaries are now reaching some of these uh, Rohingyas with the gospel. We have some Rohingya believers. And they have nothing at all. They left. As they were leaving, they are being shot. Their houses were being burned. And this is just a stronghold that is being broken down by prayer. I'm just wondering... If there's people in this church that can go and help, I, you, you might want to go and help uh, Dr. Graham, but you might want to go and help in the Memorial Christian Hospital in Bangladesh, Shittagong, Bangladesh. It's an old hospital was founded so we could have an opportunity to witness to the Islamic people there. Tremendous opportunity. We need doctors really bad. We need nurses. We need lab technicians. We need professionals in every field, or just people that are going to be boots on the ground. They go and knock on the doors, I guess you call it. What do you do with a tent? Uh, you know, <laughs> and visit people to show the wonderful love of Jesus Christ. He said here, Paul said, pulling down the strongholds. You know, actually, the, the Buddhist people have done us a favor, I guess you could say, made it an unreached people group. People have not been able to get in there to, to preach the gospel to the Rohingyas, but they sent them to Burma, uh, to Bangladesh, where there, there is a hospital with Bible-believing uh, Islamic people of the, formerly Islamic people of the Bangladesh nation. There's other strongholds. You know, Buddhism is a religion. 
if you were to define Buddhism in a slightly different way, it's the same doctrine that's taught in our colleges today that human can fix, human wisdom can fix the problems of this world. Do you believe that? Absolutely not. There's only one answer for this world, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ preached in a way that people can understand in their languages so they can understand that. I had to learn the Thai language. After I learned Thai language, I had to learn the Northeast language of Nyaw. Amazingly enough, over the years, as Thailand became a modern country, the Nyaw language became less important to them, yet uh, they, you know, it's related to the Lao language, which is spoke by, spoken by 20 million people in Thailand. Still, most of those 20 million people have yet to hear the gospel message in a way they can, can understand. Folks, we can learn their language. And learning language is how you start to tear down strongholds. Having people sent out to the mission field is how we tear down strongholds. You can't just, uh, I mean, we should pray. And this is what he's saying here, that we are going to be praying uh, to the Lord. But this is look farther on down. The next verse of uh, five says, casting down imaginations. Boy, there is so much, much stuff going around today. Uh, Star Wars and all this. They're catching, capturing the minds of young people. They're acting out, acting out their lives like we're going to go and do some cosmic warfare. They got their lightsabers <laughs> or whatever they have, swinging them around. My goodness, that's just imaginations. And every high thing that exalts its, itself against the knowledge of God. Wow, is there a lot of false religion in this world? Hinduism is a religion of, of, uh, of worshiping uh, false gods. It's demonic. Uh, part of Hinduism is immoral sex. Just some horrendous things that Hinduism, the second largest people group in the world after the Han in India. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Satan is winning in this world because the world population has grown from the time I went to Thailand in 1980 to 4 million people to 7.6. It's nearly double. In just, my, uh, in just my work lifetime of missionary work. We need to pull down strongholds. We need to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's only the word of God that will change lives. I think years ago we thought maybe medical missions would, would be what the gospel was. And there, is, there are Christian missions quote, unquote, all they do is medical missions. They have clinics and dental places and things like that. That's not what's going to reach the world. Let me just have you turn, flip over to Matthew chapter 9, 38. It says there, Pray ye therefore, Matthew 9, 38, Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. You know, there's a lot of people that are trying to recruit people, but there is something we can do. 
And this is the command of Christ. That's the other great commission, pray ye, that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers. Did you see these videos? Does it break your heart? We have something that ought to challenge us when we have our devotions. Let's pray that God would send laborers to this lost world. We need skillful workers, people that are really committed, that have the skills to reach people cross-culturally. Let's look back in the Old Testament a minute. Psalms 115. In Thailand, they make massive statues to Buddha out of metal and silver and gold. This uh, Psalms 115 verse 4 says, they're idols. Not only Thailand, but all the neighboring countries of the, that uh, lost Chinese and Indian Buddhist worlds. It says their idols are silver and gold. The work of men's hands. All of us probably have a gold ring or something like that, you know. We value that. They're making their most values in idols. And uh, the psalmist says, they have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They make them, they make them are like unto them. They that make them are like unto them, sorry. So is everyone that trusteth in them. You know, when I was in my uh, tribal home, one day I was sitting in my chair on the front porch. Uh, we had a big, spacious front porch. We did a lot of ministry there. And a young fellow walked up to the house, and they had a cardboard box, and he pulled out his cardboard box, and he stacked a row of Buddha images in front of me. He thought I'd want to buy one. Of course, I wouldn't want to buy one, but there are people that want these images. They bow down to them. But those images don't hear anything, say anything, or do anything. Actually, Buddha himself who founded the Buddhist religion, was trying to figure out a way how we can overcome this cycle of reincarnation. It's a Hindu religion. And he said, well, we have to deny ourselves of everything. If you see a picture of a Buddhist priest, you can understand what I'm saying here. They wear an orange robe. It's considered by the uh, uh, Buddhists ugly. In other words, you leave everything that you love. In fact, you can't stay with your family anymore. You can't hate, you can't love, you can't have any possessions, and maybe you'll die and have a little better next reincarnation. And the final end of all Buddhism is going into nirvana. You know, when uh, the Beatles were around and all those, you know, we thought, we heard that nirvana was heaven. But nirvana, by the sheer definition, is going into nothingness. It's the cessation of your, your spiritual existence in their theory it's not because hell is there is a hell and it's hot and people are dying and going to hell 
But, but uh, Buddhism teaches exactly what the serpent said to Eve in the garden. Ye shall not die. Die meaning to be separated from God forever. Folks, it's a false doctrine. Ephesians 1.17. Let's flip back over there. Ephesians 1.17. We should be praying for the opening of the eyes of these people that are in Islam and these false religions in Asia. By the way, there's more people, just, I just said that, in Asia than there are in any other part of the world. They are four-fifths, excuse me, not four-fifths. Oh, well, they're almost more than half of the population of the world. Why is my brain not working here? I'm nervous. Okay, here in Ephesians 1.17, praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, and that you may know the hope of his calling, calling and the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints. One of my best friends in Hazel Park is a woman who was blind from birth. She has never seen anything. She's never seen a sunset. She has smelled a rose but never seen a rose. And we were traveling with her one time down to Pensacola Christian College where my daughter went to school. And my daughter said, oh, there's a beautiful sunset. She says, describe it. Our, our eyes don't see some things. And of course, these people don't see. How many enjoy being a Christian? We sang about this just now. You know, Lord, I love being a Christian. I love what the Lord has done for me. I love the freedom I have. But... You know, Lynn has never seen some things. She sees a lot. She's a brilliant woman. But, uh, you know, we have eyes that can't see. But Paul was saying, praying that your eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That we can see what the needs of the world are. That we can pray for the lost. Something else we should do, we should be praying for those who are saved. Only saved people are going to win people, right? You can write tracks, of course, but somebody has to give them to them. Somebody had to write those tracks in the first place. Acts 4. We're going to turn to Acts 4. This will be our last passage. I'll be off your back for a while. <laughs> in Acts 4, 29, we need to pray that new believers will so share their gospel as bold witnesses. One of the things the devil tries to do is hurt Christians so they won't be bold enough to witness. And he said, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, in uh, Acts 4.29, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word, thy word, the Bible, the winnow with the gospel, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and waters, wonders may be done in thy name, by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, folks, when we pray, when they prayed, the place was shaken. 
I don't know if you ever had an earthquake around here. <laughs> I haven't felt any, except since what, when I was a child. But the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy, Spoke, uh, Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and spake the word of God with boldness. Folks, we need to pray for boldness. You need to have boldness when you go with your golf buddy or your fellow students in college or high school, junior high or elementary. You need boldness for the, the share the gospel with the guys that you work with, that are hammer and nails with you, or whatever kind of work you're doing. Those are my challenges for you today. From God's word. I really would like to know if there's some, somebody here who came to First Baptist of New Philadelphia without knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you haven't trusted Jesus, if you haven't heard the gospel in a way that you understand, there are people here who will show you, open the Bible and, and expound on what the Bible says and explain it to you so you can understand it today. There are people sitting in this room that the Lord probably is calling to go to the mission field. Can you go to countries like Bangladesh and serve the Lord with this, this unbelievable textbook genocide that's going on right now? Can you go? Maybe you should go to your pastor and say, you know, I, <clears throat> I think the Lord is calling me to go and be a nurse in the Memorial Christian Hospital or something like that. I'd like to appeal to you to, to, to consider giving your life for the Lord. Young people, you too. What are you going to do with your life? It's like having a huge bank account for the rest of your years. I would like to be like you if you're 18 years old and start over and do it again. You know, with the tools that we have today, it's incredible. By the way, let me just say this. If you're planning on being a missionary, when I first went to the mission field, we couldn't find a hamburger anywhere. We found a place in Bangkok where they actually sold hamburgers for 20 cents a, a piece. So we would take a, a lunch afternoon every once in a while and buy hamburgers for every one in my family so they knew what a hamburger was. <laughs> that, we like Thai food, though. I don't know if you like Thai food, but it's delicious. And Thai food isn't all spicy, too, let me warn you. But uh, now I live on the upper... Uh, Mekong River, where we fought the Vietnam War, there, are, there is a major four-lane highway going right past their town. There are uh, malls, there are restaurants like McDonald's, KFC, Dairy Queen, right in the town where I live. I can't believe it. Three minutes from my house, I can go to KFC and have a KFC chicken. We got a picture of the colonel with his mustache. I grew my mustache like that for a while. I didn't like it. <laughs> it looks good, though, if you have one. Don't, don't be <laughs> worried about it. <laughs> but, hey, it's not all that hard today. You know, in my church center there, I have, I have a fiber optic cable that comes to my house from the people that provide Internet, one of the many people that provide Internet, uh, with... Uh, 40 megabit, you know, what you're advertising in your mail all day. Sorry about getting off on the tangent again, but it cost me 16 bucks a month. How many paid 16 bucks for your internet? <laughs> it's cheap. And it's, I'm living in the, re, the uttermost part of the world, as you could say. Folks, let's not be afraid to give our lives for the Lord. 
I don't know how you would like to do the invitation, Brother Todd, or whoever's leading, huh? Okay, well then we'll close. But let me just invite you, as we close, if you want to talk to one of the pastors about giving your life for the Lord, you want to talk to us, we have some prayer cards with our mission address. Let's pray and close our meeting. Father,